This is my kind of town. This is my kind of place. Welcome to episode 59 of Three Point Podcast. It's our weekly three-generation look at sports and pop culture. I'm the baby boomer, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and WJSZ Radio. From ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina is our Gen Xer and social media expert, Matt Burns. Our millennial viewpoints again will be coming from Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our special friends include Gold Partners, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Three Point Podcast Silver Sponsors, our rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Corona Public Schools. NBA Trade Talk, College Hoops, AAF Football, Tedertainment Tonight, and our Hot Takes of the Weekend. Coming up next, right after these important words from our Three Point Podcast partners. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Kindergarten registration is coming up, and it's time to sign up those future Cavaliers. Take one small step today by calling 989-743-1579 to ensure your child will take a giant leap into the future. Like we've said many times before, young or old, it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on the Corona Schools by following the Corona Connection. The Corona Connection was founded to create a platform for Corona residents and students to connect. View the Corona Connection online every month, both on Facebook and at Corona Connection. Okay, fellas, right off the bat, I know what Michigan State fans are going to say about this past week. I'm not going to start where you guys think I'm going to start. They did lose to Illinois. I'm not going to talk about that. We can talk about it later. I'm going to start with their win against Minnesota, where they won 79-55. to People were off the moon about how good Michigan State looked. Nick Ward, 22 points. Matt McCoy, 18 points. They're finally playing Spartan basketball. Tom Izzo said... Magic Johnson talked to Nick Ward. He got him going. They're playing Spartan basketball again. They're rebounding. They're running the floor. They're making their free throws. They're doing everything. But the thing about this game, take it with a grain of salt, okay? It was the 79 reunion at halftime. There was no Judd Heathcote, but Magic Johnson was there. And you could say there's a little bit of magic in the arena. It doesn't count. This game doesn't count. Magic's in the arena. The crowd's loving it. Packed house. This game was... Not what it showed, okay? I know they won by 24 points, but that is not what the takeaway should be from this week for Michigan State. They are not back. They lost to Illinois. They had 17 turnovers. They are not back, fellas. I, that's all I can say. I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it again. They are not back. They are not back. What do you guys think about the whole 70, 79 reunion magic in the building? Do you think that that kind of is tricking people a little bit? I mean, how can you lose when you have Magic Johnson? in the building, hyping up the crowd, talking to Nick Ward. I don't think that this was a big win as Michigan State fans think it was. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I, I definitely know what you're saying because, you know, there's always the, like, you know, on senior day or even, like, homecoming. Sometimes, like, you know, you usually schedule a little bit of a cupcake on, on those kind of days. And, you know, you get a little more amped up for those days or whatever. So I definitely think, yeah, Magic Johnson in the building, he's sitting there watching and, and the whole reunion and everything. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are high in Minnesota. I think they're pretty good. They're probably going to make the tournament. But I think it was a little bit overblown. That I think the one thing, though, is Michigan State wasn't playing well those previous, whatever, two or three games before. So, you know, it was good to see them get back rolling, you know, kind of get a little more on track. Cassius Winston, and, yeah, like you said, Ward had a good game. So, I mean, I didn't 
I'm not sitting here saying that now they're back going to the Final Four, but it was better than them losing, that's for sure. You know, the way I see it is, I think the biggest factor in how well they played in that game, yeah, there was some extra inspiration with Magic and the 79 team there, without a doubt, and that did have some factor. I mean, none of the players wanted to embarrass themselves in front of some of the, you know, the, the one of the biggest superstars of all time, obviously, and, and uh, the man who made the Breslin Center possible, Magic Johnson, but I think the losing streak was a bigger factor. Can you imagine what those practices were like for Izzo, uh, what he put them through as far as shooting drills and as far as some extra conditioning? I think that was a bigger factor. The thing that they kept talking about in the postgame presser was that, you know, they're back to Michigan State basketball. They're defending, they're rebounding, they're running, but they're really not that good of a defensive team. I mean, they're 75th in the country in points given up in a game. Like, what is the Spartan defense they're talking about? This, it reminds me of, like, when a guy, like, looks at himself in the mirror before going out to the bar, and you, you're kind of confident, you got a little bit of uh, alcohol in your body, so you're thinking you look like a 10. But when in actuality, you're like a 6.5. And that's, like, with drunk goggles helping you. That's kind of what this Michigan State team is. They think they're playing this unbelievable defense. They think they're rebounding, and they think they're running. Yeah, they're number one in the Big Ten in fast break points, but it's the Big Ten. I mean, it might be stereotypical, but it's slow white guys like yeah. Ethan Happ dominating the conference. I mean, for God's sake. You know, I, I don't think this is maybe their strongest defensive team, but I, when I look at this team, it to me seems like a typical Michigan State team. I mean, look at them. They're 19-5. and five. They're a game out in the Big Ten at 10-3. and three. They may not be playing tremendous basketball. They have a few things to shore up, but we're still in February, and this is a team that can do damage in the tournament. I mean, it depends on the draw, and it depends how well they shoot their free throws, but I think this is a dangerous Michigan State team. And I'll tell you another factor that I really was impressed with is this Kithier, uh, you know, from uh, down in the Detroit area that didn't play any, or Clarkston, but he didn't get to play last year, but he looks pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing, I, you know, seeing, like you said, Kithier coming in, I think he played, uh, you know, like 15 or 20 minutes. He got, I think, the most run that he's gotten all year. I think that's one thing to me that I noticed. I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched a good amount. They went to their bench more. It seemed like yes. before Izzo was using, like, a short bench. Like, even Lawyer, you know, Foster Lawyer, who was supposed to come in and be this amazing basketball player, you know, because he won Mr. Basketball in Michigan, he was basically getting no minutes. So that was kind of weird. He finally got some minutes. So... That was one thing to me is, like, they finally used their bench. I don't know if Izzo, like, decided that ahead. Like, I'm going to use my bench a little more. Maybe that's what the game dictated, you know. I don't know. But that's one thing to me is, and that's one thing actually I think might end up being a little bit of a problem with Michigan is they have depth on the bench, but they're not getting a lot of time. Right. So those games when they do have to come in and get some good minutes, you know, maybe the production isn't there. So that's one thing I noticed with Michigan State. Like you said, Kithier coming in and some other guys got some more minutes. Uh, I mean, I think that probably helped because, I mean, Ward seems like he's, he's probably in good shape, but it seems like he gets tired kind of quick. And, you know, Winston basically having no backup point guard, he's basically having to do everything. So, you know, get a little depth going. And I think Michigan State, the biggest thing to me with it too, those two games at the end of the season with Michigan, that's all it really comes down to. They could lose Michigan and Michigan State, lose two or three more games before those. But if you win those games, that that's all that matters. Yeah, I can't wait for our pod pod talk for those games for sure but you know looking at the schedule there the real test is going to be Tuesday night I'm be interested to think or to see what Jared's take is at Wisconsin you know the way Ethan Happ's playing I mean it seems like you dogged on him a little bit earlier this season the kid can play he's he's a real basketball player one more thing before we uh, maybe segue into Michigan talk but like you said Wisconsin I mean Ethan Happ when we were double teaming him and not just letting Teske just kind of defend him and wall him off like that's when he was doing his damage earlier in the game right but with the Michigan State versus uh, Minnesota, it's like I don't. I think it said more about how bad Minnesota was. I mean, Matt mentioned that they might make the tournament, but Nick Ward and Matt McQuaid combined for more than half of Michigan State's points. That says more. That's not necessarily a bad thing for Michigan State. It's like almost impressive. Like they're so bad, but yet they they beat Minnesota basically single handedly. Like that's the day I lose to Nick Ward and Matt McQuaid is the day I hang up my shoes. If I'm if I'm if I'm coach with you, if oh, I'm no coach respect Patino, at all. That's the time to hang up your shoes. That's time to call call it a career. But I think it is going to be a great test on Tuesday against Wisconsin. I'll be interested to see Wisconsin just so fundamentally strong and 
you guys have heard me mention it before. It's those Sterling basketballs. <laughs> stay, keep, right. stay on the lookout for those. Michigan State might have their worst shooting game of the year. Yeah, I am curious about that game because obviously Michigan went to Wisconsin and lost. So I'm curious to see what Michigan State does there with those Sterling basketballs. You know, you never know how that's going to go. But I just, I, I do wonder. I feel like Izzo, even though I've definitely been one to criticize him, and you know. Especially everyone always says January, February, Izzo. Like, I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. But it does seem like his team, like, they played with a little more of an edge against Minnesota after that three-game losing streak. So I don't know if he was getting on them or or what. But, you know, I I think he'll have them ready. But it's still going to be a test. Wisconsin's still a good team. And I'm curious to see Hap against Ward for sure. Can I just throw something out on the table? Do you guys think we lose uh, listeners considering that all three of us are pretty much just – we hate Michigan State. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely you and I are right. clearly very pro-Michigan. See, Ted tries. Ted tries to keep it, you know, even a <laughs> little even keel, but like I feel like we kind of tip the scales a little bit. <laughs> no, no, you call it exactly right there, man. In fact, I was going to I was gonna point that out also. We are pretty heavy on Michigan, especially you two guys when we're talking Michigan basketball. I am more in the middle because I do truly like Michigan State, their hoop program. You know, I like Tom Izzo. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He uh, he gets the most out of his players. Yes, we talked about him having the bonehead move in the tournament last year. You got to call it like you see it. But his overall career speaks for itself. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, well, it's been all the way back to 2000 since he's won his only national championship. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of programs out there that would like to make as many Final Fours as they've been to, knocking on the Big Ten championship as many times as they have. And, uh, did I talk good enough for the Spartans right there, by the way? Well, even this, and kind of like Devil's Advocate, their championship in 2000 or 2001, was it 2000 or 2001? I thought it was 2000. Yeah, it was, 2000, it was the, it's the last Big Ten basketball championship we've had. Right. It's like, people want to talk about how the Big Ten gets all these teams in the tournament, but yeah, we never ever win the actual tournament, so it's like... Michigan State's the one team that's actually done that in a really, really long time. Well, I'll tell you what, too. We'll throw this out there right now. If we got any Michigan State fans that are still sticking with us with all the Michigan talk that we put out there in other pods, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a tweet, you know, get a hold of us by email, and we may be able to hook you up and let you uh, talk a little Spartans with us and, and uh, point counterpoint it. The thing that I always come back to with, with the whole Michigan-Michigan State talk, especially when it comes to hoops, uh, and now we're kind of getting a little more into this this debate with talking about Izzo or you know whatever the the hoops programs. But the criticism was always from Michigan State fans to Michigan fans when talking about football was that you know when D'Antonio started winning games against Michigan was that Michigan was just living in the past. We were talking about the '90s. We were you know our last championship was in '97. It was so long ago. You know we would bring up the overall record of the the rivalry. So it was always like you guys live in the past. Let's talk about the present. It's the exact same thing with Michigan State basketball because Beeline basically since 2011 has really owned Izzo. I mean, it's fairly even. He hasn't like completely owned him, but he definitely has won more games against Michigan State than Izzo has against Michigan. So it's the exact same thing. Your your championship was almost 20 years ago, and that's all you're talking about are that championship, the Final Fours in the early to mid-2000s, and you're not talking about – Beeline basically handling the rivalry the last seven or eight years. Well, that's why I... That's the thing that always bothers me when Michigan State fans start talking about, like, just wait till March. Okay, fine, I'll wait till March, and Beeline will beat you guys. Matt, 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 you got to step back. You can't let the fans get you upset. Look, I mean, I am a fan, so, you know, you get talking to fans or whatever, you get in a little debate. So, (laughs) I I mean, I definitely don't get as upset as I used to. I used to get really (laughs) fired up, but that's just what, like, you know, when... That's what it is. When when people criticize Michigan State fans, criticize Michigan fans when it comes to football, it could go the exact same way when you start talking about basketball. Yeah, well, it's just noise to me. I mean, it, the results speak for themselves. You you threw out some stats. That's good stuff. But, you know, it, the results on the field or on the court, that's all I care about. So Michigan so, winning most of the, the matchups the last No, no, you're, you're, you're exactly right. But then I look at the whole scope of Izzo's career there at Michigan State. You look at Michigan State as a, as a school. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about D'Antonio, and he certainly turned that football program around where it was. But really, when you look at the full scope of Michigan State, that's a basketball school. I mean, they haven't had many coaches over there. If you go all the way back to Heathcote uh, and, what, they had Gus Ganakis before him, that's like uh, almost 50 years, isn't it? 50 years with three basketball coaches? That's pretty impressive. No, it is impressive. And, you know, I guess the thing to me is just, like, 
Izzo's a great coach. He, you can't take any of his accomplishments away. You know, like you said, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He already is a Hall of Famer. You know, like, he's a great coach. He's one of the best coaches in the country. I definitely think Beeline is right there, and there's a lot of people in the media, not that they necessarily know more than us, but, you know, the, the quote-unquote experts, say that Beeline is really, like, the best coach in the country right now when you look at the success and turning players into pros. Beeline is right up there with Coach K and, like, Coach Cal even, you know, for being the best coach in the country. So is that the one thing? Say Beeline gets a championship one of these next couple years, does that put him in the same conversation as Izzo? Because when you talk to Michigan State fans, they make it seem like Beeline is not even close to being in the same class as Tom Izzo because of that one championship 20 years ago. No, he's right there. Beeline's right there. He does need a a national championship really to solidify his spot when you're talking the greatest coaches. But when you look at the the grand scheme of things right now in big-time college basketball, there's not many people out there that don't give John Beeline a, a ton of respect. I understand that, but guys, at the end of the day, it does come down to championships. And it's not just Beeline. It's the rest of the Big Ten. Michigan State is the only one that's pulled their weight. Listen to me. I sound like a Michigan State defender. How about that? Boy. But, it. I mean, it, honestly, I see their point 100%. you got to win championships. That's what That's what they play the games for. That's what the, the NCAA tournament's for. Yes, this night making it to the, the, to the Final Four. But at the end of the day, you, you still have like a sad ending to your season. I mean, we've seen it. Are you guys satisfied with last year's Final Four or when Trey Burke and uh, the rest of that crew like lost to Louisville when we were up by like 10 at one point in that game? No, of course not. I mean, no. it's, it's all about winning the cha- – got to win the game. you got to win the championship. We're totally 100% behind you with that. But when you look at an entire coaching career, you, you still got to give credit for the Final Fours and the Big Ten championships and whatever. I mean, you got to look at the, the grand scheme of things, overall win and loss record, don't you? There's something to be said for a coach that can win the big one. Yes, absolutely. We've been there twice. We haven't done it. Okay, fair uh, enough. I, I like Beeline's a Hall of Fame coach, but I can see the counterpoint to where Tom Izzo, he's won it. He's done it. Right. It was a different game then. It was 2000. We had Mateen Cleaves, obviously, as a leader on that team, but it's like... I see the point. Anyway, we're done with that. I, I, I can't. I can't keep defending Michigan State. I don't like it. How about this Michigan win against Wisconsin? I love Charles Matthews in the second half, fellas. Yeah. Sixteen points, especially since he no showed last year. But the thing that my big takeaway from this game is that this is what we need from Matthews. Like he's our senior leader. This team is so young. Like he's gonna have to do this throughout the rest of the season against Michigan State. He's gonna have to have a good showing and in the tournament. This is what he's gonna have to do because we can't really. I mean. Brazadeus is kind of like our last guy that we go to with the game on the line. We saw that uh, against Minnesota, actually, I believe, when Matthews had the final shot that went in off the rebound. Right. But it's like he's got to be a steady hand on this team. They're young, and that's exactly what he did against Wisconsin, and I loved it. Yeah, and Ziggy didn't have the greatest game in that game either. So you're you're exactly right. You got to go with your leadership without a doubt. And Matthews, he needs to come up big down the stretch, and that's a good start against Wisconsin. Early in the season when they were really rolling, uh, Iggy and Matthews were both scoring, you know, 16 to 18 points a game. It's really a difference maker on their offense when those two guys are scoring, or at least one of them, you know, like Matthews was in the second half. Because, you know, Simpson can score. You know, he's got that hook shot down. And, you know, but he's more like he dictates the offense. He more kind of runs the offense. So, like, if we're trying to rely on Simpson to score, you know, that might be a little bit of a problem. And kind of the same with Teske. Like, I feel like his points – are more like a bonus. You know, if he hits a one or two threes or, you know, he gets some a couple alley-oops or some putbacks, like that is nice. But I feel like when Michigan is really rolling, it needs to be Iggy, Matthews, or obviously Poole if he starts, you know, knocking down some threes. So, yeah, you could tell. I mean, that last game against Wisconsin, the offense was completely different when Matthews was rolling. Do we, do we trust John Teske in the NCAA tournament? I mean, after we watch Ethan Happ just have an absolute scoring clinic on him in the first half, like, do we trust that? Yes, he's leading the Big Ten with blocks per game. He's making threes, like Matt said. He played really well overall against Wisconsin and stopped Ethan Happ for the majority of the game. But still, it's Ethan Happ. Like, I can't get over that. I know you guys know, think he's, like, super, super good. But I kind of put him in the same category as Nick Ward. Well, I don't know. I mean, John, what, John Beeline said he doesn't ever want to see him again. So I, don't, I think that's pretty high praise, don't you? I saw that, but Beeline's he's gonna I don't know if sucking guys off is the right word, but he's always he's just he's a class, he's a class act. That's what you expect from him. I mean, what a weird comment that was from Ethan Hab to him after the game. I hope we see you again. Like it's kinda weird. Although I agree with Beeline, I do not want to see them again. They kinda seem like our kryptonite, just how fundamentally well they play and 
they're very good defensively, kind of like Michigan. Well, Hap's got to be Hap's got to be pretty good. I think he's probably going to be a first team All American. He, he'll probably get drafted. He may. I don't really know if his game is really going to translate to the NBA. He seems like one of those guys that's like a phenomenal, and he is a great college basketball player. And you know, he fits perfectly at Wisconsin in that system. Yeah. To your your question though, Jared, I I trust Teske. The only thing I don't trust Teske on is foul trouble. It seems like he sometimes you know picks up those like two fouls early on and gets put to the bench you know, early in the first half, and it kind of messes up his flow. So that's the only thing I kind of don't trust. But otherwise, I think he's proven that, yeah, he's not going to shut down a guy like Hap, but he, he can he can play well. He can step out and shoot shoot the ball. He had 12 rebounds the other night. So, I mean, if it comes to trusting Teske, I, I think so. I do. I'm with Matt on that, and I think if, if there's one player that I, I'd be a little leery about if it comes down to crunch time, it is Ziggy. You know, being a rookie and, uh, you know, with all the money on the line, I don't know. He worries me. You can tell he's got that confidence. So you can really tell yeah. that he does have that confidence. He does have confidence. But you can almost tell, like, and I think I saw some stats. I wish if I could find them real quick, but I saw some stats earlier how different his numbers are when he makes his first shot. Like, that, that's yeah. where the confidence thing comes in. I feel like if he's hitting shots, you know, getting some defensive stops, you know, picking up a charge here and there, I think he, he rolls. But if he misses a couple shots, it almost like he tries to like force that confidence or something. You know what I mean? Because I think it was, it was something like his shooting percentage when he makes his first shot compared to when he misses his first shot is like sixty percentage points difference. Wow. So, I, I I'm kind of with you. He's a true freshman. You know, sometimes they come up big, but he's playing high school basketball last year. You know. I disagree with you guys. I, I you throw out some nice stats, Matt, but with. Iggy, I mean, he's Charlie Sheen in Major League with the balls. Like, he's got big balls. You throw a stance with a guy like that. It, with the game on the I've line, never, I I've never seen him in the locker room. Maybe you have, but. <laughs> no, you never seen, like, the meme where uh, he sit there and moves his hands up and down right below his uh, crotch and yeah, yeah. to signify that he's got big balls. Yeah. That's, that's Iggy. With the game on the line, that, I don't know if I'd trust anyone more than him. Maybe, like, a Zion Williamson or something like that. I like but confidence. But he's, he's a baller. He's, he's a gamer. Yeah, he's, he has the confidence, there's no doubt. He's cocky is what he is. But we'll see if he can come down the stretch and make it happen. You know, the the big timers make it happen when it's money time, and I, I'm still a little leery about him. Another but one last thing before we move off of Michigan, did you guys see the retro uniforms we're bringing back for the Michigan State game? Yes. Love them. Love them. That is, not only do I love that they're fire jerseys, but... With these young college kids, I mean, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I know how our brains operate. You bring us, like, a fresh pair of unis for this game, we're going to play it a million times better. I mean, it's the whole look good, feel good, feel good, play good uh, mentality. Great move by Beeline. We're going to deliver in a couple weeks. I can't wait. My blood's pumping. <laughs> yeah, there's that, that look, uh, you know, from the 89 championship team, that, that jersey look, I think is one of the coolest – you know, for Michigan, I think Michigan State has some really cool uh, uniform combinations too. But I don't know that like block M, and then it says you know Michigan the rest of the way. The maze, I, I like the blue ones better than the maze. But you know they're at home, so they're going to wear the maze. But no, I, I'm pumped to see those. I agree with you. I like the blue better, but the the maze will be just sweet. So it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. If Michigan State comes out against Michigan in those highlighter green. Michigan State uniforms, Michigan's going to win by 25. Yeah, those those uniforms are terrible. And that's not just because I'm not a Michigan State fan. Those, those are just terrible. Like the old like magic ones with the state and you know cursive or in script, I, I think those are pretty sick. Those are, those are sweet. Yeah. Got to admit. You know what I actually just learned? Here's a fun factoid for our listeners. In my uh, journalism history class back in 1964, Michigan State University, Michigan Agri- Agricultural, Agri- Agricultural College, had the largest housing unit in the entire world. They were one of the biggest universities in the entire nation. So what happened? Why? I guess my question, basically that's just a fun fact. You can probably that out. <laughs> you lost your point, didn't <laughs> you? It is kind of If you ever doing trivia know, at a bar or something like that and that question comes up, there He's you go. Ready. You got the answer. Exactly. In other uh, basketball news, fellas, I know Ted's not quite in the NBA mood, but if you did not love the NBA trade deadline and all the drama that happened, you're just you're not a human being. You do not have a pulse. <laughs> but I am curious. I want to throw this at you guys. So if you guys aren't familiar, the LA Lakers basically offered every single one of their players for Anthony Davis, and the Pelicans turned it down smartly. I guess my question to you guys is, how would you feel if you're Alonzo Ball or if you're a Rajon Rondo or if you're a Kyle Kuzma? And you basically just realize that you're worthless in LeBron's grand scheme of things and you're probably going to get traded. How do you finish that season 
what do you think that team's going to look like the rest of the year? Yeah, I definitely thought about that. There were a ton of good memes and other like videos going around uh, with, with that whole situation. The best one I saw was that scene in The Lion King where all the hyenas <laughs> finally like turn on Scar because he was like trying to sell them out. And they like put LeBron's head on Scar and all the other players on you know the hyenas. That was perfect. That was perfect for that scenario because that's what it is. I mean, it was basically LeBron saying, Right, I trade everyone. I don't care who it is. I don't care if we're friends. I don't care if you know you're only 21 years old. Trade everyone. Give me Anthony Davis. I mean, he's having to lead the team. So what's he telling them in the locker room? Like, yeah, I was trying to trade you, but you know, let's go out and try and win some games and make the playoffs. It's got to be awkward, especially for the young kids who have never been in, been through it. You know, guys like Rondo, Lance Stevenson. You know, like the veterans. They've they've been through it. So you know, I don't think it really probably affects them. But right, like a kid like Kuzma, who's actually balling, he must kind of look at LeBron and be like, "What else do you want me to do, man?" Well, <laughs> well, long term it might have an effect, but it didn't affect them. Didn't they beat the Celtics after that? After the trade deadline? Yeah, the, the the day of the trade deadline, they beat Rondo, hit a shot at the buzzer for the win. Yeah, so, big win. So right, that was a good game, and, and Kuzma played well. Um, they got smoked by the the Sixers today. So, um, but the Sixers obviously are looking like one of the best teams in the East. But you know, so I. <laughs> It's just, I think that it's one of those things, like, LeBron obviously is probably the best player, you know, after Kobe, uh, you know, that we've seen anyway in recent times, but it seems like he does this kind of stuff everywhere he goes, and it doesn't really get talked about much, like, tries to run the coach out of town, tries to get all of his guys traded, you know, basically plays GM and gets the team to sign whoever he wants, trade whoever he wants, try and get the coach that he wants, and no one really talks about it, so... I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. It's just one of those things that, I don't know, I think about when it comes to LeBron. Well, he kind of kind of did the same thing with uh, the players he picked for the All-Star team, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he traded a couple guys or whatever. Obviously, that's all in fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. And also, I, you got to give credit, Didn't you? wasn't your hot take last week that the Lakers would somehow blow this trade? Yeah, yeah, because, I, I mean, I, I, I'm with Jared. If they would have offered, I mean, it was up to, like, six guys and four picks or something like right. that. Right. That that would have been. I, I said they're either going to screw up, not get Anthony Davis, or do that. So, I, I do think it's probably better that they didn't give up basically everyone on their team for Anthony Davis. But it's still. I almost think the the Pelicans were just like they played playing with the Lakers. Yeah, I don't they think they were him. ever going to accept a trade. They were just like letting the Lakers throw stuff around because. But right, I mean, if you have a chance to get Anthony Davis, I mean, let's see what this off season is going to do. I'd be curious to know what your guys' thoughts are on. Uh, on the whole charade by Anthony Davis. And what I mean by that is, you know, he still has this year and next year under contract with the Pelicans, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but he's he's demanding a trade right now. I mean, what what kind of teammate is that? Do you I mean, I I don't like it at all. I think it's ridiculous that it's been played out in the press the way it has. And and as the Pelicans, what do you do? I mean, I can't believe I think I read somewhere the NBA's forcing them to play him, right? I mean, why would you play him, jeopardize a major injury when you know you're going to trade him in the offseason? You know what's hilarious? I actually wrote down, I wanted your thoughts on, like, the player empowerment like of this generation because I knew that you would have a response like you do right now. Absolutely. I can't it, stand not, it. I can't stand it no, at all. It's no silent generation, is it, Ted? It's what? It's no, it's no silent generation, you know, the guys that – woke up every day, went to their uh, car factory jobs, came home from work, fed their family, put put food on the table. It's not that generation anymore, is it? Well, it absolutely right. isn't. I mean, how much money do you need, Jared, really, when you think about the grand scheme of things? He, he could make more money with the Pelicans, right? Why I, The part I have the biggest problem with, with is why would you not try to build a team around yourself instead of going elsewhere, you know, going for the glitter, and then at the timing, the timing of it, with a year and a half left on his contract. I mean, I, I hate it. Okay, well, we're diving into your personal life a little bit here, but did you not uh, take a job with a bigger company that paid you more instead of just kind of staying off and working by yourself and creating a team? <laughs> no. Yes, you did. You, didn't you not? I retired from one company and joined another. Was that pretty much not the same exact thing? You could have stayed with that company. No, you know, it, just, it was because you had a contract with them. It was because I was retire. miserable in my job. What makes what makes AD miserable playing for the Pelicans other than losing? Might not might not get better. I had no power to get my team better. It was out of my hands. <laughs> New Orleans is literally. Uh, it's a football town. They don't give a shit about Anthony Davis is the number two basketball player in the wor- in the world. We wouldn't even we don't even know it. You, I've never watched him play because he's in. The- all we've heard about is Anthony Davis. How can you say that? That's yeah, the only thing you hear. 
Because he put out the trade talk. That's the only reason why. Oh, you're crazy. Everybody knew about the bro. The bro. <laughs> you, saw, you could tell that you just probably read that on Twitter like a few days ago. Oh, huh, of course. His nickname's the he is a He's a unit. Jared, I'm an <laughs> old guy, but you got to give me a little credit, dude. Come on now. Really. You, you So you're saying because you're a millennial and you think it's very cool that AD behaved the way he did then because of his selfishness. First off, I'm not even sure if it was as much him or as as much as it was his his agency, which is actually his agent, who is actually the same agent as LeBron. Okay, could who be put this, who put this information out there. I, I think it's okay. He's dedicated so much of his time there, six seven years. He's tried. They haven't built a team around him. They keep trading everyone. There's nothing more that he can do there. Why he, not play? His, why not play out your contract and then make a move? It's two years of his life. Two years of his life at what, $120 million or whatever he makes? That's a tough life, isn't it? You know, someone's saying the same thing to to you right now who probably makes a lot less money than you make. I doubt that. And yet you decided to retire and you said you couldn't improve your work conditions. It's the same exact thing. It's not even close to being the same. Not even close. Matt, why don't you weigh in here? It'd be right. interesting to hear right, what you guys, have to right. say. Let me, let me come in and mediate a little bit. You guys simmer <laughs> down. I got I to gotta be honest. I, actually, I am kind of on both sides. I think the timing, like, to Ted's point, I think the timing was a little bad. You know, having a year and a half left on the contract, maybe play this season out and then this off season, let the Pelicans know, like, hey, I know I've got one year left. I'm not going to resign after this one year. But, you know, maybe play this, you know, season out and see how things go. I'm also definitely on Jared's side that, like, I think the players should have way more power. I think it's really strange when owners can just trade guys and, you know, uproot people's lives and stuff, and it's just supposed to be okay. But, like, if a player comes out and says, you know, I want to be traded, I want to go somewhere else, it's looked at this way. They're looked at being selfish or they're looked at in a bad light, and it's like, Okay, but what about the owners? It's also weird that they're called owners, so they like own these these players. That's kind of strange too. But that they can just like trade people, and that's just okay. Oh, it's just a business when that happens. Well, it's just a business that Anthony Davis wants to go play somewhere else too. He doesn't want to waste his career like Kevin Garnett in Minnesota, and then finally go somewhere like Boston and win some championships. I think Anthony Davis is looking at that like you know been in, with New Orleans for seven or eight years, and we haven't done garbage so it is in his right to demand a trade the timing though i am with you there ted i it was a little strange i think that's the big, a strange. i think that's the biggest problem i have really when i look at the whole scheme of things if it was the off season that's one thing i mean they still got a pretty good portion of the season to play and the fans pay to go watch him play whether whether they're playing good or not yeah and you could look at it too like you know, it's kind of good on him, if you want to say that, to let the Pelicans know he's not going to resign so they can trade him and get some assets back. Because it's kind of like if he knows for sure, 100%, right now, there is no chance I'm resigning with New Orleans and he doesn't tell them. And then, you know, when he's free agent, he just leaves. You know, that's kind of a dick move a little bit, too. You know, let, let them know, okay, cool, if we're not going to make the playoffs, we're clearly not going to contend for a championship. You know, trade me, get some picks, get some players. So, you know, then I can. I can actually help you guys out a little bit in telling you I'm not going to resign. Well, now that that's off the table and he's not getting traded traded until the season's over, do you play him? No one's coming, like Jared said, no one's coming to a Pelicans game unless Anthony Davis is playing. And even then, it's probably like slim pickings. So yeah, but as a yeah, as a business as a businessman though, aren't you aren't you messing with your product? Aren't you messing with what you sell? I mean, if you're going to try and trade him, you better have a healthy Anthony Davis and not a blown out knee. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. I remember talking, I think we might have talked on the pod earlier, like a while ago, about Zion Williamson. Like, I almost feel like there's a side you, you could make an argument that he should just shut it down for the rest of the college basketball season. He's already shown enough. He's going to be the number one pick next year for sure. Oh, my God. So, Blow I mean, my what, brains out now. the championship with Duke? Okay, cool, you know, whatever. Like, that is cool. But, like, in the big picture, like, he has much bigger aspirations. So, right, for Anthony Davis, you know, if the Pelicans want to trade him and get top dollar – what if he goes out and busts up his ankle or something like that? So yeah, there is that side to it, but you know, you also want you also as a team want to show that he is still like Jared said the you know maybe the second or third best player in the in the world. Mm-hmm. So you want to show that too. So I'm not gonna lie, probably uh, probably Matt, why we have a podcast and we're not running uh, an NBA organization, <laughs> right? Matt, I saw you made a, you make a, you made a ton of really good points, but there was one comment you said that it's like kind of been stuck in my brain. You said something about like NBA owners like owning the players. It was like something like really profound. I just wanted to say that it was like super profound about how you said the owners like own the players. Uh, that you didn't like the verbiage of it. Yeah, it, it's always been really strange to me. 
I, I get that it comes from, you know, they own the team. But, you know, they're also like they own the players. I just think that that, that phrasing is really strange. Especially here in February. And then you guys yeah. mentioned uh, Zion Williamson. I saw. I want your guys' opinion on this. And I actually got it from 981 Ticket on Twitter. It was a great poll. It said, uh, would you rather not make the playoffs as a, as a Detroit Pistons fan? Uh, let me put that out there. Would you rather not make the playoffs and have a 7% chance at drafting Zion Williamson or make the playoffs and lose round one with 0% chance of drafting Zion Williamson? Which yeah, one would I, you guys I, choose? I saw that poll, and I definitely voted tank for Zion. I mean, yeah, you're going to sell a few more tickets or whatever, but no one's going to the Little Caesars Arena anyway. But, you know, to go to the first round and get bounced in the first round, what does that really do to improve? But if you can improve your chance to get Zion, that's, I mean, you got to go that way, right? Yeah, I, and Jared, you'd probably be surprised, but I agree with that. And that's actually, it kind of surprised me. I think we, we all, all three of us agree on this. Actually, 90% of Detroit Pistons fans th- agreed with that as well. Huh. 90%. 7% chance of Zion. He's just that amazing. But the thing that pissed me off the most this last week, and I think we tweeted about this, so there was a trade for Mike Conley on the table to send him to the Detroit Pistons. But as soon as the Grizzlies wanted Luke Kennard, <laughs> we got cold feet and backed out of it. But <laughs> what I couldn't believe what I read. I had to read that twice. Yeah, Luke I tweeted Kennard that too. Yeah, is is what breaks the back here on this trade. Luke Kennard, this guy was, has been in the, the the G League like all year, but up and down in the G League. We literally yeah, he, he dropped like forty five points a few times in the G League. Everyone drops forty five points <laughs> in the G League. It seems like, and yeah, they still don't get promoted. What are we doing here, guys? I mean, Luke Kennard is is where we where we draw the line. Mike Conley, should, he has never been an All Star, but he's an All Star talent just because he's been in the Western Conference. Get Mike Conley in here, pair him up with Blake Griffin. We already have the Blake Griffin contract for the long for the long haul. Might as well add another big time uh, max contract to the deal. Well, and, uh, the draw- let's see what we can do with this team. Yeah, the drawback is his age, isn't it? Age and definitely, you're talking about Conley. Yeah. Yeah, age, and he's had a pretty bad injury history. Uh, so, I mean, that's definitely a thing. But, right, to Jared's point, he's definitely an all-star talent. Right. He's always the name, like, when people talk about, like, the best player that you don't know about. It seems like everyone says Mike Conley. So, right, sometimes maybe a change of scenery is good. He comes to Detroit and, you know, plays hard for a couple of years and, and helps because no one's going to watch the Pistons anyway. So try and do something. No one's coming to watch Luke Kennard. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty like Gores or, I don't know how you say his last name, Gores, you know, the owner of the Pistons. He's, like, really in on Kennard and Andre Drummond. So, I mean, if, if those are the two guys you're hitching your wagon to, uh, I guess you're always going to be an eight or nine seed in the East. Yep. Not only are we hitching our wagon to him, but we now have uh, Thon Maker. I love this trade with uh, where we traded Stanley Johnson for Thon Maker out of Milwaukee, basically just swapping two busts in the first round. But Thon Maker, I will say this. I did some research for you guys. He's a guy you can root for. Here's a couple of uh, fun facts about him. So he had a high, he had a school desk that had to be special ordered in high school because of how large he was. He only watched his first NBA game in 2008. It was actually when Boston the LA in the NBA Finals. LOL, Matt. Uh, he's Australian, mate. Um, that's about all I can find on this guy. Uh, he's got a huge wingspan, seven foot one. He makes a lot of corner threes, apparently. But like we said, it's not going to move the needle with this team. I mean, we're last in attendance. No one's going to go fill the stands to watch Don Maker play. No. But at least we're kind of building. He's a project. I liked the trade. Get Stanley Johnson out of there. Let's see what we can do with this guy. Maybe he turn out in a few years. Hey, I agree with you. I mean, he is seven foot one. He's young, also. So who knows? The, the, there's only an upside. I think. I, I think you know he's going to probably improve instead of digress yeah he's, he's maybe yeah still a project and you know some people I, like when he came into the league they were thinking he would be like they were thinking he would be like uh Giannis Antetokounmpo is for the Bucks. they were thinking Thon Maker might be that but obviously that hasn't panned out but yeah I, I you know I like you said Jared I'm, I'm glad they're at least making some moves and trying to do something maybe one of these guys you know clicks and turns into a good player but it's a shame that they're wasting Blake Griffin because uh, he, yeah. I mean, he's playing at an All NBA level. He's an All Star and everything, and you can almost tell that he's just like. It seems like he says the right things. He loves playing for Detroit and everything, but you can almost tell he's like, "Am I really going to be here for the next five years?" <laughs> like, so it, yeah, it we'll, we'll see what the Pistons do, though. No, but man, like yeah, Thon Baker. Me in 2014 in high school watching this guy's like highlight tapes on YouTube. I thought he was going to be the next Giannis Antetokounmpo, just like he said. 
Yeah. Uh, so I guess hand up on that, I would have been wrong because it would appear as though he is not that, considering he just got traded for Stanley Johnson. There you go. Hey, before we switch topics as we're moving along here on this pod, check out SheridanAuctionServices.com for info on upcoming auctions, including February 12th as Home Depot returns and Amazon also returns. And on February 20th, 215 acres of land in Bancroft will be auctioned off. So now we're what? We're about two weeks after uh, the Super Bowl, and football is the sport that everyone wants to see in America, right? And there's this new, I don't know if you guys saw the the new football league that's starting. It it started this past weekend, the Alliance of America Football League. A lot of people think it's going to be another one of those leagues, like, you know, these spring football leagues that seem to always pop up and don't don't make it. This one, though, like, it, it... Seems like it's going to be pretty legit. I don't know how much you guys have looked into it. Some of the games are the, this past weekend was on CBS Sports Network. So NFL Network is actually going to air some of the games. So it's going to be on TV. People are going to be able to see it. It's football, so people are going to watch football. But this, the difference with this one is they have a ton of uh, former NFL people involved. Like Bill Polian is running the league. Uh, Steve Spurrier is one of the coaches. Rick Neuheisel is one of the coaches. Uh, Dennis Erickson is one of the coaches, Mike Martz. So they've got legitimate, you know, coaching, management, you know, executives running the league. Um, a lot of former players, Denard Robinson's playing in it. So, you know, a lot of former NFL players, this is kind of their chance to, like, get some reps, you know, put some film out there, you know, try and get back to the NFL. I think it's a really cool league, and, and one of the things that make it makes it cool is they're kind of trying, like, some different rules. It's almost like maybe a testing ground or something for some of these rules that, you know, for the NFL. There's basically no kickers. There's no kickoffs, no extra points. You have to go for two. I I think that's cool. You know, going for two, it's a little more exciting. If you want an onside kick, you get the ball at your 28-yard line on 4th and 12, and you have to convert the 4th and 12 to keep the ball. So, you know, the onside kick is usually pretty exciting, but, you know, the the success rate obviously isn't very good. So that, that's kind of cool to do a 4th and 12. No TV timeouts, so the only, the only commercials you'll see during a game is in between quarters. Otherwise, they'll do the little two-box thing that you see, like, during golf or during NASCAR, where you, you'll always see the action, but you will still see a commercial. So that's definitely cool. I think what golf and NASCAR does there is really cool. You know, they're doing a more college-style overtime, so all the, the beef that everyone had with the NFL overtime this past playoffs, you know, the AAF is trying out the more college type of uh, overtime. And one of the cool things, too, uh, and then, then we'll get your guys' thoughts on this, uh, they're trying, like, during reviews they, this past game last weekend, they have a referee up in the box, and during a review, you know, during a penalty or a play review or whatever, on the broadcast you're actually hearing what the referees are talking about. I think that is really cool because, you know, if you're if there's a, some crazy controversial play, you know, a lot of times you just hear the ruling and you might be like, you know, what 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 you guys see, what the refs see or whatever. So to hear what the refs are talking about during that review I think is really cool. So. I mean, all that combined, you know, the management and the coaches and everything, the new rules. Honestly, I honestly think this league is going to do well. The league is awesome. I love it, just like you said. But the thing, you mentioned a lot of the differences, which are all good changes, I think. But the thing that uh, Charlie Ebersole, who actually started the league, like Dick Ebersole's son or whatever, the thing that they focused on is not the differences between that and the NFL, but trying to keep it as similar of the product as that we see in the NFL as they could. And I think that's smart because, as we know, the NFL, the multi-billion dollar business, it's not broke. So if you can just try to emulate that as much as you can and just kind of try to extend football season for a little bit longer for us diehard football fans, we're all here for it. And that's what you're seeing on Twitter. Everyone loves this league. This is boring, but I totally agree. I've, I've watched a game and a half. I watched the Saturday night game, which actually... It doesn't surprise me because it's football. I know you tweeted it, Matt, that uh, it it outdrew the NBA marquee Saturday night game, OKC and Houston. So, I mean, this this country loves its football. And, you know, the game and a half I watched, it's the Saturday night game. Yeah, there's some things they got to work out offensively, you know, but uh, it's a pretty good product. And the other thing that I think this league will, will make a go of it where other leagues have failed – they're definitely going to be concentrating on continuing on right after the NFL season is over when all football junkies go into a little bit of depression and uh, you know got some football to watch, some decent football, and it's completely funded by the NFL. I mean, it's it, it, it had the big-time graphics and presentation on CBS. I mean, I love it. I, I hope it makes a go. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is to Jared's point that he brought up is, you know, a lot of these leagues, whether it's the XFL – um, or something. Well, like the Arena League is actually one of those. It's kind of like its own thing. It's obviously football, but that's that's been sustained because it kind of like 
it, it's its own thing. Type yep. of, you know what I mean? Like it, it's stuck around because it is arena league football. People know that it's going to look different than the NFL, but some of these other leagues, they, they try all these like gimmicks and stuff. And I, and I think like what you're saying, Jared, like the AAF isn't trying to do that. They're not saying we're going to like compete with the NFL. We're going to try and be better than the NFL. It's almost like, like the G league is to the NBA. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we're just going to be, Account almost like a supplemental league, you know, for the NFL, where these players can come and they the, the players have freedom to bounce back and forth. Like if a team picks up a guy from the AAF, he can go to spring practice, you know, whatever it is, and get a look from the NFL team. And then if he doesn't make it, he can go back to the AAF and go back to doing that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think they're off to a pretty good start. Well, I, I want to just remind people that, you know, Valentine's Day is coming out, and all you guys and girls will head out to Rivals Tap House and Grill this Saturday night, the 16th, for a great evening of food and drink. Check out the jazz and blues guitar stylings of Pat Carmody and just have a great time at Rivals Tap House and Grill. Well, guys, we haven't talked about the Lions much lately, but... You know, the Super Bowl's over, so the next thing up is the NFL Draft. And all the Lions fans out there, check out the Pride Podcast. They're the best Lions podcast around. They provide great analysis on players, coaches, free agency targets, and possible picks for the Lions' upcoming NFL Draft. Find the Pride Podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. All right, guys, you know, every once in a while, I'm going to give my entertainment picks for our listeners to consider. Now, we know not everyone's going to like my selections like Jared and probably most millennials on my Netflix atypical recommendation on a previous pod. But I really feel my selections for this three-point podcast are very solid, and I believe all our listeners are going to agree with my picks if they give it a view. Now, as most of you know, I was off on hip surgery leave in early January and had plenty of TV time in my recovery. So I had quite a few programs to recommend, but uh, I'm just going to limit it to just three here to stay with our format, all right? This week I'm uh, keeping it in the dramatic mystery genre. So my number three television show I recommend, you got to go to ABC On Demand, find the 2020 that originally aired on January 25th, and it's titled Evil in Eden. Now here's the story, guys, and I'm not going to give away any spoiler alerts, but... Seven-year-old Steven Stainer, he disappeared from his Merced, California home in 1972. Now, he was abducted by Yosemite National Park employee Kenneth, Kenneth Parnell, a big scum-of-the-earth pedophile. He kept Steven in his home and convinced Steven his parents didn't want him anymore, and he was now his father. Parnell began calling the boy Dennis Gregory Parnell and subjected him to eight years of living hell. In 1980... Parnell kidnapped another little boy, five-year-old Timothy White. Now, long story short, Stephen was able to get Timothy out of there, and his first word to authorities was, I think my name is Stephen. This story was made into a famous TV movie back in the time. Now, no spoiler alert, like I said, but also part of the show, very intriguing, is what happened to his older brother, Carrie. you got to check out the show to find out this mystery. Number two on my list, this is a Netflix show. Check out the four-part Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes. Everybody is aware of Ted Bundy, one of the most notorious serial killers ever. This quick four-part binge, a definitive look into the Bundy case and inner workings, uh, over 30 killings of young women across the country and how he was finally stopped. The fascinating thing to look for here is the stellar, and I say that with sarcasm, the work by Colorado law enforcement and also the story of a potential victim who did get away. This one hits home to me as I graduated from high school in 1974, the first year Bundy claimed his first victim. The thing about Bundy that cracks me up is that everyone's like, oh my God, Bundy's like so good looking. That's how he was able to lure in women. The guy had a goddamn unibrow. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that this guy was a stone cold uh, fox back in the 1974 just shows maybe how... Things have changed a bit. It's just, I don't know. That's kind of like just like when you see pictures like of girls like back in the 1800s. Like, <laughs> I'm getting myself in kind of a corner here, but it's like, good God. Well, you almost I mean, got to say, you know, people going gaga for his looks, that is a little bit out there. But as far as serial killers go, he looked pretty normal. 
I don't have much to add. The serial killer, that's very true. Compared to the rest of the serial killers, they're not a great-looking bunch. Now, you can tell where my mind is on some of these shows I like. This one, number one on my list, you got to go to CNN, CNN Specials On Demand. Uh, the documentary, Three Identical Strangers. I don't know if you guys heard about this one. It's a look at a set of American triplets born in 1961. They were adopted out as six-month-old infants by separate families, unaware that each child had brothers. I mean, the separations were done as part of a, quote, more sarcasm here, scientific nature versus nurture twin studies. After what happened in Nazi Germany, it's just completely mind-boggling to me that this went on less than 20 years after the end of World War II, in this country, no less. This doc won the uh, Sundance Film Festival Special Jury Award, and it's on the short list for an Oscar Best Documentary. More importantly, Jared, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good, isn't it? No, yeah, I've actually seen this documentary, but I think you kind of just gave away a big spoiler. Oh, the, yeah, I didn't uh, give all of it away, though. But, uh, the, the, you know, that is what it is when you look on Netflix, so I really didn't give it away. Also, uh, I just want to pass on to our listeners, I have more that I watch during my break that I'll share on future pods. But check these out if you haven't already and let us know what you think. All right, then, let's do this thing. It's now time for this week's three-point podcast weekend hot takes. Take it away, guys. Okay, guys, so my hot take of the week, I'm actually calling my shot with this one. For Ted or any other older gentleman who needs a movie to rent this weekend, you need to go rent Death of Stalin with featuring uh, or starring like Steve Buscemi. It is probably the funniest movie of the year. It's tailor-made for the kind of history buffs and the older guys. I mean, the silent generation, the Gen Xers, kind of like yourself. Or wait, no, it's Matt the Gen Xer. Long story short, it's a great movie that everyone is going to enjoy. So my hot take is this. I put it on you to go watch this movie over a week. Uh, we know how you get, we remember, remember the Titans took you like three months to finally watch that. But I'm putting it on, you have to watch this movie before the next podcast. You are going to come back and rate this movie in the 90s. It's going to be your favorite comedy of the entire year. Where Maybe do, your favorite movie of the entire movie. If I, can fit it in, if I can fit it in my schedule, now where do I find it? Uh, anywhere you can rent movies online, so you're probably gonna have to pay uh, maybe three or four dollars to rent it off of Amazon Prime or something. Oh, I have Amazon Store. Prime, so okay. Yeah, there you go. Death of Stalin. Death that, of Stalin. I recommend it to you as well. That is my hot take. Not that hot of a take because it really is just an awesome movie. More of a recommendation, sort of the, similar to the Tedertainment. I uh, like that. I like that. It fits right. It fits right in there. Well, you're gonna like this one, Jared. You know, we're recording this pod at seven o'clock on Sunday night. The Grammys are gonna be aired tonight, and. My favorite kids from Frankenmuth, Greta Van Fleet, nominated for four Grammys. Now, I'm not sure what you would call a 62-year-old fan of 420-somethings. I don't think you call them fanboy, do you? That doesn't quite sound right. But we all know that I think this <laughs> Is that fan- what we call being infatuated with someone nowadays? <laughs> well, I don't know. But we all know I love this band, and they're the real deal. And obviously, I'm not alone, as they do have four nominations. My hot take of the weekend is this. They're going to win two of the statuettes, and specifically, they're going to win Best New Artist, and Black Smoke Rising is going to win Best Song of the Year, Best Rock Song of the Year. They're also up for Best Rock Performance, Highway Tune, and Best Rock Album from the Fire. So, my hot take, Greta Van Fleet taking home two awards. My hot take is this weekend, you're talking about the Grammys being tonight as we're recording it. That's kind of the big event of this weekend. This, this coming up weekend after Valentine's Day is All Star Weekend for the NBA All you know NBA All Star Weekend here in Charlotte. So I was actually going to try and figure out if I could get tickets to go to either the Saturday night session or, or the actual game on Sunday. But my hot take is everyone you know they did the cool thing. I think it's cool what they're doing with the All Star games, having the two captains pick the teams and stuff, and you know it just makes it more fun or whatever. Don't take it seriously. It's a fun game, you know, put on a show for the fans. Everyone is saying that the the two teams are so one-sided. Team LeBron is just completely going to blow out Team Giannis out of the water. LeBron has Harden, KD, Irving, Kawhi, and, you know, his bench is even good. My hot take is that Giannis' team is actually going to win. He's got Embiid. He's got Curry. He's got Blake Griffin, the only Piston All-Star. So that's my hot take. Everyone is saying that the Team LeBron is going to just win this All-Star game by 30. I think uh, Team uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to win the All-Star game this weekend. Or as I can only say, Greek Freak, because I can't say that name. I think I'm saying it right. I it think sounds you had right it. when I say it. Yeah, you had it. <laughs> 
Get ready, sports fans. The following Jack Strap hot take has been baking at 450 degrees in my wife Jackie's hot oven. And I'm going to serve it up for you right now. Today's recipe is baseball. I grew up watching baseball and I love the Detroit Tigers and Charlie Geringer, the quiet assassin. Many Tiger fans may not be aware of the fact, by the way, that Major League Baseball pitcher John Smoltz is related to him on his mother's side. Baseball, as they say, is as American as apple pie, but there's trouble in River City. I guess millennials like pumpkin pie and generally think that baseball is boring, and unlike previous generations, fewer of them played Little League Baseball, eliminating the sentimental bond and probably eliminating some bruises by bad pitchers at that age, but that's another story. The numbers are out and they're scary, guys. 2018 attendance was the lowest since 2003. According to a July 2018 article from the Star Tribune in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Major League Baseball fans turning gray while millennials are tuning out. So what should Major League Baseball do? Well, they're considering rule changes to quicken the pace of the game and shorten the overall length. Will that help? Well, let me ask you a question. Think of your favorite song or movie. Could it be too long? Hell no! Conversely, if you're listening to a song that you dislike or watching a bad movie, would it help if the editor cut out 30 minutes? It's still a bad movie! Major League Baseball's proposing a pitch clock, adding a designated hitter to the National League, and requiring pitchers to face a minimum of three batters. Why not have customers send pictures of their genitalia? And it can be posted during pitching changes. This naked image is sponsored by Dick Sporting Equipment. Hey, come on, guys, it's ridiculous. So how can we help baseball? Well, let's see. I think about it for a minute here. How about we mandate that lazy parents put a time limit on how much their kids play Fortnite or limit dirty sex messages that are being sent out? And hey, why not send your kids out in the sunshine this summer and perhaps just maybe, just maybe, they'll be so bored that they pick up a bat and a ball and they play baseball. I'm all for changes, but do you really think the proposed moves will revitalize the baseball game? If you're bored with your wife, will you find her less boring if she wears a red wig? Come on, millennials love the NBA and they say football is America's game. I'm generally an optimistic guy, but let's face it, people, Rome collapsed. Last time I checked, the Titanic sank and Kmart's blue light special light bulb exploded many years ago. Once the baby boomers fade away, we'll be back to watching ball players play in a minor league type facility where we can take a family of four for under $30. So listen up, Bowie Kewen. Go ahead. Tweak the game if you must, but just know that the sky is turning purple and the storm's on the horizon and the millennials do not like apple pie or baseball, but do not mess with the game to the point that guys like me are turned off by that ugly hair wig that you just placed on your overpriced heads. I, for one, ain't buying it. All right, good hot takes, boys. We'll see how uh, how it all pans out. You know, before we have our final look at what's going on, I just got to say in the coronaconnection.com, great to be gold corner. The Lady Cavalier Hoops team, currently ranked number seven in Division Two and 14-1, and one, bounced back from their only loss to Hamity with a win over Bendel. Baker's dozens each for Maddie Birchmeyer, Kate Feldposh, and Mariah Duncan. And the boys also improved 11-5 with their win over Bendel. Logan LePage and Mitchell Skim, 16 each. Ty Anderson took home the gold at 140 pounds in the D3 Individual Wrestling District. Devin Anderson and Gabe Service also qualified in the regionals. If you're wondering why we're talking about Corona Cavalier sports, well, all three of us graduated from Corona High, and look where we're at now, boys, right? Exactly. Go Cavs. What, or what is it? It's great to be gold. Great to be gold. All right, any final thoughts before we call it a pod? Final thoughts. So obviously we're we're recording this, you know, during the Grammys, but yeah. it is kind of crazy. Like I know it's a trendy thing. Is that like if we weren't recording this podcast, would you guys be watching the Grammys? Is that still like a cool thing or oh, whatever? For sure. Jared, you're the millennial. Is it like amongst your your age group? Is do people watch the Grammys still? 
Uh, seems like, I mean, Twitter's kind of going crazy about it, but I didn't even know it was on today until everyone started tweeting about it, so. Yeah. And I watch it. I, I, I like to record it and fast forward through the stuff I don't like, you know, so well, I can get through do. it quick. DVR, right? Well, I, I, I'll be the first to admit it. We DVR most everything, man. I love oh, it. it. I, as much as we rip on you, mostly Jared, rip on you for it, it actually is smart. Fast forward through the commercials, fast forward through what you don't want through to see. Through the crap songs, you know. I, I like to see the chicks, what they're wearing, you know. Yep. Supposedly J Lo's stealing the show, I guess. Really? Sorry. Nothing wrong with so, little J Lo. You got that to look forward to. Maybe uh, don't tune in uh, to it until uh, the family's gone to sleep. Really? I like that. I feel like J Lo <laughs> would steal any room any show, anything she is involved in, she steals it. That's it for now. Remember to share Three Point Podcast with all your friends and family. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or Google Play Music. Be a part of a future Three Point Podcast. Record a short commentary or question. Maybe you're a Michigan State fan. Or send it to our podcast page, Twitter, or Instagram at Three Point Pod. You can also email us at threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks again to our podcasting partners, Gold Sponsor, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Silver supporters, rivals, Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Corona Public Schools. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan Z92.5 The Castle production. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast. Oh.